0: Welcome to the second season of the iCrush Barbecue Show. I'm your host, Abe Delgado. First of all, I'd like to send our thoughts and prayers to our friends in Tennessee. A devastating tornado tore through Nashville and central Tennessee last week, taking 24 lives in the devastation. Many folks have lost their homes and their belongings and are struggling to get by. If you can help in any way, please do so. I'll include links. In the show notes with several options, whether you volunteer or, or make a kind donation, please keep them in your prayers and may God bless them all. Now, in episode six of the I Crush Barbecue Show, I interview my buddy Carl Felinius of Albert Barbecue in Denver, Colorado. Carl has an incredible story that includes cutting his teeth at the legendary Franklin Barbecue. Slinging barbecue in the Colorado underground scene and finally opening a brick and mortar in the heart of Denver. We dive into his menu. He even gives us a recipe that's at the base of all of his proteins. He also gives us a peek into the whole Denver barbecue scene and shares tips on where we should go if we're ever in the area. My buddy Scott Doob was actually eating at Albert while I was interviewing Carl so you'll hear them in the background just giving us a shout out. So stay tuned for that. I had a great pleasure of visiting Albear back in November of uh, last year. And I was extremely impressed with their incredible food. Everything was was fantastic from the proteins to the sides. and It's, uh, it's a great area. And uh, the setup that they have is fantastic with the pits in the front. Uh, as you walk in, you'll see them. Stoking the fire, it's uh, it's a, it's a great experience. If you have not been there, you definitely need to add them to your list. You have to go. I hope you enjoy the story. This is Carl Felinius at Albert Barbecue. <music> Hey, welcome to the iCrush Barbecue Show. Today, I am chatting with Carl Felinius of Owl Bear Barbecue in Denver, Colorado. What's up, buddy? How are you? I'm doing all right. How you doing today, man? Good, good. I appreciate you jumping on. You know, I was out there, uh, what, November time frame and uh, got to experience your food. And I'm like, man, we got we to get this guy on on, uh, on the show. Appreciate you Thanks. jumping on. Thank you so much for having me.
1: Thanks for coming in and uh, checking out the restaurant. It was yeah, nice.
0: man. I was stoked to come by there, and and you definitely did not disappoint. I, I loved your food. I loved the setup. I loved everything uh, about that whole area and the experience. So great job out there, man.
1: Heck yeah, dude. We're uh, yeah, we're just uh, yeah, we're a little different than most barbecue places. That you find, I don't know, we're, we're right in the heart of Denver, but we got our smokers right out front. And we're cooking on big offset propane t- tanks. It's not something you normally see, especially in the middle of a city. But uh, it's a
0: lot of fun, man. Yeah, man, there's some cool pics on uh, Instagram where you can see the uh, skyline in the back. It's just beautiful. That area is just booming, right? They call it uh, Rhino, River North area?
1: Yeah, that's, that's a whole uh, – this is, yeah, technically in the Rhino so uh, it's so it's not technical. Rhino's not technically a community. Rhino's a, a district. We're okay. I guess technically in the Curtis Park neighborhood. It's Denver has more neighborhoods than any city I've ever lived in. So it's kind of hard to tell where one ends and one starts sometimes. But. Uh, I'm pretty sure this is Curtis Park and uh, yeah, Rhino, Rhino Art District. Um, yeah, we're right on Larimer Street between 28th and 29th. There's a lot of really cool stuff around here. Great restaurants, great businesses, amazing coffee and beer and endless cool stuff to do around here.
0: Yeah, the foot traffic is just crazy around there. I mean, I was there and it was snowing and cold and there was just people everywhere.
1: Yeah. And in the middle of the summer, it gets really wild, Um, but it's, it's a lot of fun, man. It's really vibrant. There's a lot of, a lot of good energy, a lot of good stuff going on.
0: Yeah. That whole layout that you guys have. So the pits are right in front. They're not covered. You're right in the elements. Like I said, it was snowing when I was there and uh, you know, you're not hiding anything. You're right in front of your restaurant, cooking it up. How is it uh, cooking uh, out in the open like that? Uh, it can get really rough, you know. In the winter, it's not so bad.
1: Snow is pretty easy to deal with. Uh, in the summer, it when it starts to rain, it's a lot harder. Mm-hmm. Um, we're working on getting a roof built, but uh, you know, it's just uh, finding the funds to make things happen. Sometimes is a little difficult. But Yeah. Uh, Hope we'll have. A, hopefully, we'll have a roof going here in the next uh, four or five months, three or four months, maybe. But uh, yeah. That'll be really great. Yeah, we kind of it took us forever to get this place open. We we just went through, jumped through so many hoops, endless setbacks. Uh, and uh, the roof was part of the original plan, but it just didn't didn't end up happening before we got the place open. Um, okay. But it's it's a lot of fun, man. We uh, it's really cool. Our customers, we, a lot of our customers, just see the smokers and what we're doing and come over and ask what's what's going on what are we even doing it's uh you know what might be a common sight in texas is super uncommon up here so it uh it's definitely it's almost like having a billboard without actually putting up a billboard
0: yeah that's a good way of putting it uh yeah and you have all kinds of folks. I saw suits in there, and I saw you know just casual folks and it's just it was it kind of walk us through uh it, you enter through one area and then you through one door and then you come out another door. How many square footage is in there
1: uh we're only about uh twelve hundred square feet total uh-huh um it's not too much space. the front of house is uh is about uh Let's say seven, 800 of that. And then our kitchen's the rest and smokers are out front our kitchen. We don't have a hood or a range or anything like that. We cook on induction burners and uh, on the smokers. And that's, that's really all we got. Um, we've got a few reach in refrigerators and uh, yeah, you walk in, you have to walk around the smokers to go in through the entrance and then you walk straight up to the ordering counter, talk to the meat cutter, tell them what you want talk to the sides person, tell them what you want, check out at the register, and uh, you got your meal um, ready to go. We're also really lucky to be right next to our mutual friend Brewery, which is an amazing, amazing brewery that has uh, been really, really awesome to us and uh, lets our customers sit on their patio and uh, or inside their restaurant and, or inside their brewery I mean, and drink beer. We don't have a liquor license, so... If people want to drink beer, it's readily available right next door. Um, we just ask people to bring their trays back when they're done. But yeah, it's, 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 it's nice. It's small. It's simple. It, it does the trick. I wish we had more seating. We only have about 18 seats. Uh, I know that that has been a problem for some, some people. You know, They come in and they want to sit down, and we really just can't cater to that many people. We do a lot of to-go business. It's, it's a fun little spot, man. I've got a really amazing crew working with me super solid cooks and front of house staff and they're just, they're just killing it, man. I'm super lucky to have. Yeah. About how many people do you have uh, on your team? I have eight people on my team total. Yeah. And right now we're only open Thursday through Sunday. We're trying to expand those hours a little bit, but uh, things have started picking up again. I got to, got to figure out how to stretch the labor out just right. So Train someone to try and cook like one or two days a week. Which isn't really enough to learn how to cook barbecue for a restaurant. I feel like,
0: mm-hmm. It's, it's tough. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. Um, so we kind of just jumped right in. Let's let's um let's kind of take it back a little bit. Uh, let's let's uh, talk a little bit about yourself. Where where are you uh, where are you from originally, and uh, you know what kind of influenced you to to start cooking barbecue?
1: So I grew up in the mountains in. Colorado. i grew up uh, about seven hour seven six and a half seven hour drive from denver in a town called telluride that a lot of people have heard of it's a really small resort town kind of in the middle of nowhere it's insanely gorgeous um there was one barbecue restaurant there when i was growing up and uh you know i've always always loved eating ribs and uh you know i never really understood the appeal of brisket until i moved to texas for a lot of a lot of different reasons, but um, yeah, it was just a tiny little ski town and out in the middle of Southwest Colorado, really far from just about anything. And then uh, I moved around a, quite a bit when I was younger. And the first time I ever had like really really good barbecue was actually at Festaou in New York City, and uh, then. I was visiting my ex-girlfriend's family down outside of Austin in Bastrop. Her uncle and I cut down a post oak tree and that was dead standing and really nicely cured. And we dragged it over to their big offset they had in the backyard with the tractor and cut it up in bits and cooked a bunch of really awesome ribs. And it was the first time I'd ever had really, really good Barbecue, and it uh, it was definitely an experience that stuck with me. I ended up uh, going back to the Northeast for a while. Uh, Ended up in Vermont, kind of couch hopping for a bit, and had some buddies from Texas hit me up and asked me if I wanted to move in with them down in Austin. They had an extra room, and yeah, I'd been couch hopping in Vermont for a while. For some reason, apartments just kept falling through on me and jobs kept falling through on me. So packed everything up and I left Vermont in the middle of a big blizzard and drove down to Austin, arrived in Austin uh, day be- the day of the Super Bowl, actually. And I remember it was the year the Super Bowl was in Dallas and I managed to just get around all that traffic on my <laughs> way in. And, uh, so you
0: leave a blizzard and you arrive in uh, well, sunny... Austin, Texas.
1: Oh man, it felt like heaven. I was in shorts and t-shirts and everyone else was in hoodies and jackets. It was pretty funny. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and how old were you around this time? I know you said you went to Texas and then you went, you, you yeah. moved away and then you came back. I was about 23
1: this first time I moved to Texas. I was there for about nine months and then uh, had some work opportunities come up in Colorado that sounded really good. So, um, actually during that time is when I met my, uh, my wife and she moved up to Colorado with me. We spent about a year up here and then I really missed Texas and her parents are down there. So we figured we'd go back and move back down to Austin. And, uh, that was when I, my, uh, work life in barbecue, my real, real barbecue experience began. I got, uh, I ended up getting a job at a spot called Blue Ox Barbecue working the overnight shifts, cooking ribs, finishing briskets, prepping some sides, but I was also the uh, custodian for the bar that they were attached to, the uh, bar coffee shop, a really cool spot on East Riverside called the Buzz Mill. And Mm -hmm. so I spent my nights uh, in the fire, picking up cigarette butts, wiping down tables, taking out trash. Uh, it was always my job to dump the food trucks, gray water, which was one of the grossest things in my life. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I uh, watched Smoker. I, you know, I didn't really get a ton of training there, but I met some really awesome people. My uh, my good buddy, Ben Lambert, who actually just opened a spot in Austin at the new Buzz Mill out on Shady Lane called... Uh, he's got a, His new barbecue spot's called JNL. He was my manager there. He was my first real uh, barbecue uh mentor really in a lot of ways um and that was really cool because uh anyways i'll continue my story and he'll come back in later <laughs> oh okay
0: yeah i'll uh, have to check that out by the way i haven't he, i haven't been
1: it's awesome he does these al-, al pastor ribs that are just so beautiful and so delicious mm. and his brisket is amazing he's he's a super talented chef a uh, really really good friend and one they- of the best one of the best people
0: had you had any kind of restaurant experience before, uh, the blue ox? I had not. No, no. I had, I I had, I mean, I had a little
1: bit, I, I worked, I had a summer job working in a kitchen, a fancy kitchen where I grew up. Um, and then I delivered Chinese food for a few years in college as a side gig. And, um, that was about it really. I, I, I really hadn't had much experience with it at all. Um, Uh, so it was, yeah, it was a food truck gig. It wasn't, it was, it was nothing like being in a restaurant. It was, it was way more mellow and not, uh, you know, I, it was, it was interesting. I didn't get a ton of training there. It was kind of like, it was a lot more just keep the fire between this temperature and this temperature. We weren't really thinking about our convection and airflow all that much. We weren't really thinking about details, you know, the details that really got instilled you know instilled into in me in my brain and at franklin after i left the buzz mill after i left blue ox um so yeah when after blue ox didn't work out uh travis who was a really good friend with aaron and one of the partners in the buzz mill got me an interview at franklin and they were looking for a cook and uh i interviewed and i got the job and uh that's really when i start i really started to learn about how to cook great barbecue for sure Franklin was, Franklin was wild, man. It was, it was a really awesome job. It was a really, really hard job. Who else was there at the time? Uh, Braun Hughes was the pit master, Andy Morris, uh, Andy Reisner was the, who's the pit master there now was the rib cook. Um, Andy Morris, who works with Braun up at style switch now Mm -hmm. was, (laughs) uh, one of the barbecue cooks, one of the brisket cooks. They had Manuel and Luis trimming briskets, uh, Benji Jacob was the general manager. It was, it was a really, dude, I, I worked with a really amazing crew. They were, they were just the, the coolest people to learn from and such kind, awesome, awesome people all around. Um,
0: you step into the, into the mecca of barbecue and get to work with all those guys at uh, this just uh, incredible spot of, of Aaron Franklin. That's so cool. And we were still cooking out
1: back, too. We were still cooking outside when I first started. And that was just, it was so great. I, I mean, I loved the smokehouse, but cooking out back was special. There was something, there's something about cooking outside that just really feels more like barbecue to me. I don't know. I mean, it's barbecue either way, but being outside really brings it home for me personally. So much of barbecue is trying to maintain a semblance of control in you know, constantly changing conditions and being outside kind of just accentuates that. There's a, there's something about just kind of being in the elements to a degree, no matter what they are, rain or shine, rain or snow, or they actually never snowed there rain, rain or sun or whatever <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> that. Yeah. There's something about that that just really, uh, I, I find enjoyable. Um, yeah. yeah, but, uh, then, yeah, actually Ben Lambert ended up coming on my friend from, Buzzmill, he ended up com- uh, coming over about a year after I'd been at Franklin and uh, I got to train him at Franklin, which was awesome. It was so great getting to work with my friend and he ended up staying there for about five years, it seemed like really becoming a part of their, a big part of their team.
0: And so how long were you there total at, at Franklin? I was at Franklin for about uh, I think a little over a year and a half. Okay. And
1: then uh, a friend of mine who I grew up with was opening a bar with a bunch of food trucks in the back in Denver called Finn's Manor. It's only about a block from where my restaurant currently is.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: He wanted to know if I, I was interested in putting a food truck in the back, and he owned a coffee shop right across the street that he was willing to let us use as our commissary. It's this really—it's one of the best coffee shops I've ever been to. It's called Crema. It's right on the corner, Twenty Ninth It's there they've ruined me on coffee honestly <laughs> <laughs> so yeah my family was up here I think my, my wife was ready to try uh, a new city and uh, we figured why not let's give it give it a shot so yeah I, I left Austin a little before her I, I bought a trailer in Maynard and then I drove up to Oklahoma and picked up some old propane tanks. And then drove into Colorado and pulled into Denver Yeah, with a truck and some propane tanks on the back of my truck. And we got to building up uh, the back of an old box truck to sell food out of. And uh, this guy Edwin and I built the first smoker in the parking lot of actually where the restaurant ended up being. The brick and mortar restaurant ended up being a few years later. Um, (laughs) So uh, cool. Yeah, man, it's it's been really cool. Every my my whole world, in a lot of ways, has revolved around this one block in Denver. It's yeah, everything kind of has come come back. I've, I'm really lucky to have a really amazing community here, really supportive uh, fellow business owners and uh, employees for the various businesses who are all just some of the best people I've ever met in my life.
0: So you so you move back back up there, you start uh, this barbecue business. Um, do you? see uh like lines automatically did people know what you were doing and uh did they understand so so when we opened our food little food truck it it was uh
1: and it wasn't really a food truck literally we were selling out of the back of an old box truck uh that wasn't on wheels at all it was sitting on uh cinder blocks in the back of this bar (laughs) we had our smoker right behind it and uh uh, it actually took a it took a lot of uh, sampling people to get anyone even uh, kind of interested in meeting barbecue up here. It seemed like you know there's a lot of people from Texas, a lot of people from Kansas City, a lot of people from the Carolinas through all of the Deep South. It, and uh, for a long time, Denver's barbecue scene wasn't really hopping. So people would walk up, see that you're selling barbecue, and say to themselves. Uh, there's no good such thing as good barbecue in Denver. It's just not, uh, not a real, real thing up here. So we had every single person who walked by our door, we had to be like, Hey, you don't have to buy food, but here's a little piece of brisket or here's a little piece of tenderloin or really whatever we, uh, whatever we had, and get them to just get them to try it. Just a little bite. And usually they'd ended up ended up buying food as soon as they got a sample. But even if they didn't that first time, they would come back and get get food. Um uh, slowly garnered a following that way. We were lucky a few food writers had heard about uh me, what I was doing, and uh coming up from Franklin and uh they jumped on the ball pretty quick and we got some really, really awesome uh media shout outs in the first year. There's a one of the larger publications they gave us best one of the best new restaurants in denver of uh 20, 2015. stuff like that just started happening pretty quickly which was awesome but yeah we slowly built the following and after the finally made it through that first brutal winter of being a food truck in colorado in december uh, <laughs> in november <laughs> uh we Finally started, you know, getting some big lines and cranking through a good amount of food. And then, um, yeah, so we were at Finn's Manor for about a year and a half just doing our thing. It was a, it was, it was a wild thing, man. We were cooking barbecue in the middle of a super busy, super hit bar that, and it was, it was great. And it was also terrible. Our commissary kitchen was across the street um, from where our smoker was and our food truck was. So we were just running, it was catty corners, we were just running across the street, back and forth, and back and forth every night, probably walking like a few miles every night, <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, dealing with a ton of drunk people and crazy customers, and it was <laughs> it was, it was, it was, it was a lot of fun, but it was really wild, and um, we had known pretty much from when we set up that basically, like, I. I had, I had exploited some uh, loopholes in the Denver food truck law to get open. And then about a year and a half after everything, uh, the city found us and shut us down because we were operating pretty much outside of every code that they had. <laughs> <laughs> like we were, you know, we were doing everything safely and we were keeping, no one was getting sick or anything like that. We had, you know, we had a lot of facilities around us. We'd, we had fresh sanitizer right inside the bar. We had hand washing sinks and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, we were not in fire code. We weren't in zoning code. We weren't in pretty much any kind of code at all. So we, <laughs> we, uh, the city was pretty quick to be like, "Yeah, you can't do what you're doing anymore." And as devastating as that felt at the time, it was a blessing in disguise because. Uh, this space had just become available, and we were super excited to have the opportunity to open our own spot.
0: Yeah, I, I've heard you know that happened to several folks, and and everyone says the same thing: blessing in disguise. It kind of pushes you to do everything uh, that you that you're eventually going to have to do anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, pushes you to do it um, at a faster pace.
1: <laughs> and then my daughter was born, like months later so I got to spend a lot of time with her when she was a baby I got to do I I really it was it was amazing I got I got to be a dad in a way that a lot of dads don't get to be there and around all the time for their kid you know Mm -hmm. stuff I mean I had a lot of stressful stuff going on and, and it was that first year it took us it took over a year just to get our construction permits which was a nightmare oh wow Uh, from there it was endless issues with permits and subcontractors not showing up and messing up whatever they were doing and then you know I started getting crazy OCD with the panic of actually opening I was running some pop-ups here and there for a while and the uh and those you know to mixed reviews most of them went really well i was usually kind of late which is never a good look (laughs) (laughs) i was also doing most of it myself so you know it would be 20 some we had two smokers so it'd be like 20 something briskets uh 18 plus racks of ribs a few pork shoulders tenderloins and some bellies and so i was doing yeah full brisket cook and then a full rib cook and then packing everything up and Doing a full service and then cleaning everything up. And they ended up being, you know, 30 to 48 hour days or shifts. And that, that's that, it just ruins you, man. It wrecks your brain. <laughs> it's like really stupid stuff after hour like 28. <laughs> God. Summer with that roof getting like really sunburned and super dehydrated. And the whole thing was an. Uh, it was a shit show. Like, there's no other word for it. It was a fucking shit show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was great, man. We, we, we got to serve a lot of people and get a lot of people really excited for the brick and mortar. And uh, then when we opened, it was just, uh, man, our, our first day that we opened to the public, we had an hour. We had a probably like almost two hour wait at least. We had a line that went all the way up along our parking lot and it was it was overwhelming. I had everyone pretty well set up and trained up and I just had to leave. I just had to go away and do some shots, man. <laughs>
0: <laughs> shots was, always help.
1: <laughs> I was so terrified and uh, that it was finally real and it was finally happening and we were opening and it was wild, dude. Oh, and yeah, we also like barely managed to get our, uh, certificate of occupancy because at the last minute, the city told us that we needed to have the sidewalk in front of the entire, uh, complex, complex or not complex, but like building that we're in replaced before they would sign off on our permanent certificate of occupancy. But we managed to get a temporary CO just in time and, uh, Yeah, it was it was it was a wild little it was a wild week. And by the end of that by the end of that week for our last day on Saturday, I don't even remember pulling briskets off the smoker. Luckily my rib cook was a boss. I was sleeping on a cot in the restaurant for like the first few weeks. I wasn't even going home out. If I left, I was going to Restaurant Depot just to pick up whatever <laughs> little things we needed. But I, I I didn't leave the restaurant for you know, except for the days that we were closed for almost two weeks. So it was, it was crazy. Um, it was, it was mayhem, but we got it open. We got things rolling. Everything got evened out real good. Um, man, I've been super lucky to have just a killer staff from the get go. Really wonderful people, really wonderful customers. We're, yeah, we've been really blessed over here.
0: Yeah, man, sounds awesome. It. people don't know what it takes to to open a restaurant behind the scenes and and all the stuff that's going on and you know i i talked to so many folks and uh you know they talk about the cot you know that they sleep on in in very uh short intervals yeah. and uh it's just crazy yeah you guys you guys work your tails off and and make it make it look easy because once you get there and the You know, you get in line and you get your food and, it's you know, everything is just looks like, oh, this is easy. You know, I want to open up one of these, (laughs) you know,
1: it's it is so much harder than anyone could ever really express. You know, it's it's uh, and, you know, things are always breaking and people are always getting sick and it's wild, man. You really got to. I'm so lucky to have like. Just the most understanding and flexible uh, partner. My, I mean, in life, my, my my wife, and she's she's really understanding with how how much it really takes to run a restaurant, and uh, steps up when I can't be there to help get our daughter to bed, and you know, I show up, I get home sometimes at midnight, and I'm gone at like six. Not all the time, but you know, enough that it's it's hard for everyone involved. Mm -hmm. Um, but I love what I do and I love making people happy with the food that we serve them. Uh, It's a really cool, but really hard thing to devote your life to.
0: Yeah. I'm, I can relate, man. I, uh, I opened the restaurant in two thousand nine. You know, from from the ground up, and and you know permits and health inspectors and all of that stuff and all that hard work. So, I know what it takes it to, to go through all of that, and it's not easy, man. It's it's really not easy. So, yeah, I commend you for that. Um, so whenever you guys were at uh, at Finn's. Um, What did you start cooking there? Let's kind of jump into the menu items. Um, What were you starting? What what did you start cooking there? And then kind of what are you cooking now?
1: We did brisket, ribs, pulled pork, pork tenderloin. Those were our four always on the menu items. I didn't have anywhere to make sausage. I didn't really have the capacity to make sausage. And I I didn't find any sausages that I was super stoked on cooking. And honestly, at a certain point, it just became like, a comfort level thing um, where like those were our four menu items. I guess one thing that I could tell people about is we'll be having our own custom sausage blend made for us by uh, river bear, um, river bear, American meats, a uh, local company that makes really awesome sausages. That'll be on the menu super soon. We're hoping for next week. We've been trying to get this together since we, before we opened like almost a year ago and it's finally coming together. Uh, But everything had to go through the USDA, and um, it was just a lot, man. Um, But now it's almost done, and we're super excited to have sausage on the menu at the new spot. But uh, yeah, anyways, back in the day, brisket, pulled pork, um, spare ribs, and pork tenderloin. Uh, Then we would run specials, all kinds of different specials. We ended up doing a lot of different chilies and a lot of different, uh, all kinds of stuff. Sides, we started off with just uh, coleslaw, potato salad, and pinto beans. And then we added mac and cheese. That went through a few different um, iterations of that. And so we settled on the recipe that I actually was fortunate enough to grow up eating. My mom's a really amazing cook and she did this Amazing four cheese Italian mac and cheese, uh, mozzarella, fontina, gorgonzola, and parmesan, and that's mm. what we serve in the restaurant now. And it's actually become our biggest seller next to brisket. We we we're ba- I, you know we we have a, a pretty big menu, but pretty much when you boil it down, we sell brisket and mac and cheese.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's so damn good. I can attest to that. Uh, Yeah, and you you also have some specials on some sides, too. Like, uh, there was a, what was it, a queso? Uh, We've been and
1: queso for a while. We just made uh, a really simple, classic uh, Tex-Mex queso and put it on rotini and topped it with crushed Fritos, a little bit of tahini, and some chili powder, and it was delicious. Uh, We haven't done that in a little bit. Right now we've got uh, brown butter and miso grits. We've been doing um, we've been doing that pretty regularly as a special for a side special at least. We've been doing a lot of beef ribs and we've been trying turkey here and there. I haven't been super happy with our turkey. It's been good, but it hasn't been as good as I want it to be.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and it also doesn't. It just hasn't been selling very well. I don't know if it's uh, you know a holidays thing where people are turkeyed out because yeah. That, that's definitely a real thing, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. We just, uh, we're probably going to be adding chicken to the menu pretty permanently. We've run that the last few days. It's coming out super delicious. We just do uh, leg quarters. Um, it's my favorite part of the chicken. Um, I and mean, I love wings. I don't have a fryer or else I would probably be doing wings pretty regularly, but I feel like smoked wings, you can just hit them in a fryer for, you know, 30 seconds after you pull them out the smoker. It's amazing. The, uh, or out of the warmer, it's amazing how much better they are you're just with that skin real crisped up instead of kind of the more chewy smoked skin that you get with barbecue, like smoked chicken. Um,
0: <laughs> damn, you're making me hungry, man. Is that something that you might
1: do in the future? We're never gonna have fryers, we just don't have the room never. for it, really. Yeah. Um, we don't have room for a range or a hood or fryers, and mm-hmm. I'd rather put a roof over the smokers before I invest in all that kind of stuff. the smokers get a walk in stuff like that stuff that's really you know just about the exact same price as doing the whole range and hood thing but in my mind you know we've got a good menu i don't want to start adding too much to it i don't i don't really want to have fryers in this restaurant um you know hopefully one day we can get like a food truck that has a flat top and some fryers and do some more fun stuff like that but for now uh we're just gonna keep keep doing what we know how to do and keep it real simple,
0: yeah, and those uh that pork belly the the cuts that you do it it's almost like a slice of brisket, you know, where a lot of people are kind of cubing them up and doing uh you know pork belly burn ends. you're just doing like a slice, yeah. and man, it's so, so good. I love the way that that you do that, and that pork loin too that that was probably. You know, one of the things that I, I wasn't expecting and it's like you cut them in these like medallions and they're just just so freaking good, man. That, uh, talk to us a little bit about some of the, some of that and the the, the spices, because you, you're you using some you use a little coffee on your uh, on, on your rub, right?
1: Coffee and all of our rubs. Um, uh-huh. I just like not only the bitterness of it, but the texture. The tenderloin is actually a kind of funny story uh, that that recipe comes almost directly from my time at Blue Ox, uh, my first barbecue job. And uh, Daniel Vaughn actually picked that up when he came through. He had it was one thing that had stuck out to him really uh, a lot when he had been at Blue Ox years and years ago. And um, when he tried it, he was like, "Man, that brings that's a really nostalgic thing to have that that tenderloin come back into my life." Um, it's a really simple recipe. It's Uh, Equal parts by weight, coffee grounds, brown sugar, and Morton's kosher salt. And then we add a little bit of chili uh, chili de arbol to taste so that it brings in a little bit of heat at the end, Um, but a a little bit of that chili flavor, but without being too overwhelming. Um, And then uh, we smoke it uh, 135, Uh, perfect medium rare, wrap it in foil and throw it in the warmer. And it, uh, it'll bring it up slowly to about 140, 145 throughout the day, uh, just making sure we're keeping it, you know, at health code range and uh, keeping everyone <laughs> nice and safe. Uh, but it, yeah, you do it right. I mean, we're also using Duroc for all of our pork, but mm-hmm. for the tenderloins, it's the most important. Um, it's a little bit thicker of a tenderloin. It has more of that meaty flavor. It's... I really prefer Duroc massively to any other pig that I've tried for barbecue, but I haven't, honestly, I, I haven't tried a ton of heritage breeds other than Berkshire and Duroc. So
0: that, that just blew me away. I, I, uh, I loved it, man. Everything that I had at your place was just delicious. Heck while we're doing this interview, my buddy Scott Doob is shooting me a message. He's there. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, he's, he's, crushing it right now and uh, and he was sending me pictures uh, as we speak here and uh and yeah just the color it makes it look so great and the i mean the taste is, is is just fantastic there's i could put you anywhere in 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 texas and you would be one of my favorite places to go to i mean the, the, this place uh you, you're doing something magical out there and uh denver's lucky to have you for sure Dude, thank you so much. Oh, but uh, we didn't talk about the
1: pork belly. The belly has basically the exact same rub on it. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah, the exact same rub, but it it, it cooks a little bit longer, so it doesn't. Uh, a lot of those uh, oils and flavors denature in the cooking process. And the bark forms up a little bit heavier because there's so much more fat and collagen in that piece of meat and we're cooking it a lot further. We're cooking that basically up to brisket temperatures, brisket temperature, rib temperature, like, you know, 198 to 201, depending on feel. Yeah, we, we'd cut it lengthwise, so straight down the middle of the long way uh, to get like a cleaner cut on it when it comes out. Actually, since you were here, uh, we changed it up a little bit in our cooking method. So now it has a little bit more of that, like, barky chew on the meat side. kind of like how, like, uh, a rib at Snows has, like, that nice, like, Um, chewy pork on the outside with like the really tender, beautiful stuff on the inside. So you get a little bit more variation in texture, which I think is just step the pork belly up even more. I think it's even, it's better than it's ever been right now. Um, Uh And uh, yeah, that was actually a recipe we never did at the old spot. We would do occasionally do twice cooked bacon where we'd cure it and then smoke it and then cool it and then rub it and then cook it again. And that was delicious, but it just was such a labor intensive recipe. It worked when we, you know, were slow in the winters in the food truck. We had room on the smokers. We had time for the cooks to be doing stuff, but, um, we've just been cranking so hard in the restaurant that, um, we don't have that much storage space for curing stuff. And there's endless reasons we can't really do that recipe anymore. We did it once, it didn't come out quite the way I wanted it to, but, uh, Anyhow, uh, yeah, when I started doing pop-ups, I really liked the idea of doing belly, um, and I actually hadn't even heard of per- the pork belly burn ends yet. It just seemed like something that would be delicious as heck, no matter what we were doing with it. <laughs> so, um, yeah, cooking pork belly is kind of like cheating. It's, <laughs> it's delicious no matter what you do. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I just uh, I wanted to get a lot of rub onto it to get a nice bark, so we used a rub that had lower sugar and I didn't want it to be super peppery. I wanted it to be different than a brisket, like slice of brisket or something like that or ribs. So I just used that same rub that we put on the, uh, put on the tenderloin and that's actually our, the base of all of our rubs. We build all of our rubs off that rub. I just hit it really hard and tried a few different ways through like during our, all of our different pop-ups and just tried a whole variety of, different ways of getting that where we wanted it and I feel like in this last two months we've really gotten it where I've always kind of hoped it could be it's it's I think it's it's honestly my favorite meat that we have and a lot of people when they see it they're a little afraid because pork belly is usually so fatty or chewy or you know something that doesn't really resonate with that person but if you can get them to try it usually everyone's super into it we render out so much of that fat there's no 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 real like fatty chew unrendered fat chew to it at all,
0: mm-hmm. um,
1: but yeah, I love the belly. It's my favorite thing on the menu. It's my it, favorite.
0: Yeah, yeah. Thing. I see you're doing the. I guess on your specials and stuff, you're doing a little pastrami as well. Yeah, we used to do pastrami
1: every week in the food truck. Uh, oh. After like we started that about like three months in, we did that every Thursday for a long time, and uh, we're starting to get back on that schedule now okay Yeah, on me every thursday um it's uh you know we have briskets we have the ingredients we might as well get a few in brine for a week and smoke them up they're just so delicious it's yeah we're uh picking up rye bread from our friends in denver at rosenberg's deli make amazing bread amazing bagels they actually they're one of those kinds of places that uh make all of their water chemically identical to new york water which is really interesting and creates a really good product very very reminiscent of new york delis and new york bagel places super talented dudes good really nice dudes over there
0: that bread may, bread makes such a big difference when you're eating pastrami for sure with some like spicy brown
1: mustard and coleslaw uh mm. it's great And we just started doing uh we just did a test of a burger night last Saturday and we're going to start adding burger nights on Saturday nights from so like, we'll have a limited number and when they're, we're out, we're out. It went really well last week and the briskets came out delicious. We just working on ways to make our uh, restaurant a little bit less wasteful and more, uh, yeah. Find new ways to do fun stuff. We're going to yeah. start more chilly, uh, just, yeah, finding ways to get shrimp. I also just bought a new meat grinder, so I'm trying to use it as much as possible because it's really fun.
0: <laughs> there you go. I'm a big fan of the chilies and everything. I I had some really good chili when I was out there, and I guess what's what's popular out there is that green the green chili as well.
1: In Colorado, green chili is a really big thing.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had some pretty good uh, green chili while I was out there. I uh, didn't realize it was that that big out there, but. Uh, yeah. yeah, man, you guys are doing some, some cool stuff. You, you do some duck, too, sometimes?
1: Yeah, we do duck on Sundays. So we do a, we do a smoked, uh, smoked duck confit, basically. And then we pull it, and we crisp up the skin. And we do uh, yeah we do just a really awesome pulled duck with crackling in it or on it. Um, um, it's, it's super delicious. It's super rich. And sometimes it can be a little gamey for people. But I love it so much. Um, it's uh, we used to do at the food truck. We would run a special every once in a while where we did smoke duck breasts, but we were using a friend's uh, flat top on his food truck and we don't really have access to that over here. But man, I love duck. It's one of my favorite things ever.
0: Yeah, yeah. man. It's so cool that you're bringing all of this this cool stuff to, to Colorado, to that area right there. It's not just a barbecue joint, you got all kinds of cool stuff uh, that's not typical to just a barbecue joint, you know? So that's that's pretty cool. Um, and what um, what wood are you using out there and is it pretty easy to source the wood out there? You know, wood used to be really easy to source.
1: For a long time, I had a really great source that I was getting our local scrub oak through, which is an amazing firewood. It's, it's uh, called gamble oak. It's not like the scrub you get in Texas or a lot of the South where it's real stinky and super red. It's, it's more, it's like if you married post oak and live oak together and then made it small. <laughs> it's small. It's a scrubby tree. Mm-hmm. It's, it doesn't grow real big. Um, so you cook with a lot of rounds, um, which I personally like. I know a lot of people don't like it so much, but I love cooking with rounds um that was actually something that andy reisner who's the pit master of franklin now uh instilled in me when he was training me was uh, rounds are just awesome you get great flavor if you can get a good burn on it you're gonna get better embers and it, it really stuck i love cooking with rounds but
0: can yep. you explain what what rounds is to some of the folks that I'm sorry
1: a round is an unsplit piece of wood that you don't really want that bigger than like, at most five inches in diameter. But yeah, so it's an unsplit piece of wood. It's cut down to the right size, but it's not a, uh, yeah, it doesn't have the inside of the wood exposed. There you uh, go. okay. Yeah, so we were cooking on gamble oak forever and ever, and then uh, the source on that kind of dried up. We can get it every once in a while now. Uh, we'll get it for a few weeks here and there, and then it kind of goes away it's uh we've we've been having to use mixed red and white oak coming up from texas or hey. yeah hey hey. Uh, hey Abe scott says hey <laughs>
0: duber this is actually gonna make it onto the show
1: <laughs> <laughs> he's walking away he's getting in his car um, <laughs> but he's got a big bag of q with him and uh yeah good to go it's really happy you stopped by
0: yeah, I'm sure I'll hear uh I'll hear about it uh here in a little bit once we hang up. Uh sounded it looked like he was having a good time. <laughs> yeah, no, he was smiling. He, he seemed real stoked on it. Uh,
1: yeah. Awesome. But yeah, so now we're using uh what most people around here use, which is a mix of it usually I can get just you know, sometimes I can get just post oak that's coming out of North Texas. Um Sometimes, you know, it's hard, man. The wood scene in Colorado has gotten really complicated over the last couple of years. You know, not a lot of people are turning the local oak into firewood because they feel like it's just not worth their time because it's so scrubby and small. Uh, And then a lot of people are, uh, a lot of companies are importing stuff from Iowa or Missouri or Kansas, and there's been so much flooding out there that trucks haven't been able to get into colorado so prices have just skyrocketed they're 50 percent more than they were what i was paying two years ago um it's crazy how expensive wood has gotten even for the local wood because they're just following you know oak prices in general i've been considering trying to use some local blends you know a little bit of oak mixed in with some uh maple and other woods but i You know, I don't want to ruin a good batch of meat by using some wood that I just don't get a good flavor off of. Um, Yeah, man, it's, it's, wood is actually the hardest thing about cooking barbecue in Colorado right now. Finding a wood source has just become really, really, really difficult. Um, You know, I call up, I try and call at least one, uh, one logging guy every week and see if they're willing to cut Gamble Oak for me. And they're almost all like, nah, man, that goes in the chipper. I'm not dealing with it. I'm not dealing with all that scrub, uh, which I totally understand it's their business, but, uh, it'd be really nice to get my hands on some. So if anyone's listening to this podcast, who wants to cut me Gamble Oak, bring it to Denver. I've got a big lot. We can store it in. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and, uh, Hit me up. Hit me up at the restaurant.
0: <laughs> there you go. Hey man, one of one of the coolest. Uh, you guys have one of the coolest logos. I love the whole owl bear. And uh, how did that all come to be? All right. Um. So, my wife, as a joke, was like, "Let's
1: take this online uh, test to see what your spirit animal is." And I was like, okay. And it came up that I it was an owl and a bear. And I'm a huge Dungeons and Dragons nerd. I just love fantasy stuff in general.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: um, I was like, oh, man, owl bears are awesome. They're <laughs> a monster from D&D that is renowned for their voracious appetite for flesh. And it uh, <laughs> just kind of it fits so well. And I got a lot of pushback from family and friends that I uh, named my restaurant after – an obscure dungeons and dragons monster. Um, <laughs> and I didn't, I didn't listen to anyone and I went with it
0: anyways. <laughs> I'm then, glad you did, man. I I'm sporting my hat right now. It's uh, it's one of my favorite hats. Uh, it's just so cool, man. Such a cool logo and everything. And, uh, we worked with some
1: awesome artists who have, uh, who really brought it to life. Luckily because it's, uh, at this point, a well-entrenched fantasy monster, there's a good amount of um, artwork to um, kind of show people, show artists what you're thinking, what you're looking for, and uh, get some really cool images out of it. Um, the, yeah, um, this guy, local guy, Sam Turner, Who's an amazing artist has done a ton of albums for bands and he does all the artwork for or most of the artwork for true brewing which is a really really killer uh local brewery in denver um to do some artwork for us and he did some of our shirts and this guy david seymour who's out of uh i think minneapolis but i'm not 100 percent sure he uh He did a t-shirt for us. Um, He does all of burial beers cans and also does our work for a ton of really cool uh, metal bands. And yeah, we just kind of went with stuff that I like, which is, you know, like 70s rock and roll and doomy stoner metal stuff from the 90s. And uh, luckily all that stuff's kind of coming into fashion again, which (laughs) is awesome because it's stuff that I really, really enjoy it's wild D is more popular than it's ever been since it came out and stoner metal is more popular than it's ever been since it came out and so our branding just happened to be really on trend with uh what's going on in the world right now
0: yeah man i see your shirts all over the place and and yeah. i love it i i was really i really wanted to have cool
1: merch i didn't i didn't want to just put our logo on stuff and call it good i wanted to put some thought and care and effort into doing something that's different and cool and fun and uh you know it, it's hilarious how many people you know you see out and about who are like man that's what, what i've never heard of that band before <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: like yeah that's kind of what i was going
0: for i wanted them to be like band shirts and yeah uh, it, so it's cool. gone over really well so cool man And how's the community there? You know, the barbecue community. Do you guys talk to each other? Is it something that's growing out there? You know,
1: I, Denver is, uh, the Denver barbecue community is really cool, man. There's some really, really wonderful people cooking food out here. Um, We all try to talk to each other as much as possible. There's a, like, if you run out of peach paper or wood or something else, someone's usually got your back. No matter what, because, you know, we're all fighting to make Denver a place where change Denver from what it was like when I first got here, where you had to convince people that Denver was capable of having good barbecue in the first place to somewhere that people go and think, hey, I want to check out some barbecue places while I'm here. Mm -hmm. And everyone's on the same page. You know, there's always a degree of competitiveness like there is in any Really any situation where people are doing the same, you know, or similar things. But everyone understands that we're in a big city. There's a lot of customers to go around for everyone. And if we have a good barbecue culture, then that just means more people eating barbecue in general. And luckily everyone's super, super nice. You know, Jason Ganahl, who owns GQ Barbecue, is like one of the nicest guys. And he puts in so much work to just supporting the community. Uh, Chris Nicky down at Hank's Barbecue, super cool dude, cooking on a cooking on a lang, uh, burning wood. He's hooked me up with wood a few times when I really needed it. And uh, he's yeah, just a, he's
0: re- he's a really good guy. I went and saw him when I was out in Denver. He'll be on the show soon as well. So they're
1: a really really cool spot, doing some really tasty food. Uh, Roaming Buffalo, they they were they were the ones you know who really opened uh they're one of the those people they opened a few years before me and they really were putting are putting a lot of effort into cooking really interesting stuff and helping colorado develop its own barbecue style that's kind of been what's driven them in a lot of ways they do a lot of lamb we do some lamb uh they do a lot of uh bison and they do like venison sausage and stuff like that and it's really really cool um We're trying to get some bison stuff coming in. Bison's a hard one to cook. It's just so lean, but it's super delicious if you do it right. They're really awesome people. Yeah, Koi and Rachel Webb. They're just, they're really, Koi's an insanely talented chef, and they're just both really nice people. Um, Justin Brunson, who uh, is, uh, he's, he's trying to do a lot more barbecue. He owns a restaurant here called Old Major and a few others, but he also owns River Bear American Meats, who we source all of our meat through. They're, they're our primary meat distributor, and they're really awesome. He's doing a lot to support the barbecue scene here and the culture. Just really killer dude, amazingly talented chef, uh, doing a lot of super cool stuff.
0: You know, it sounds like it sounds like Colorado Barbecues in good hands right now.
1: Man, we're working on it. We're really trying to get it going. Yeah, we just got a uh, Posto Call, uh, Nick Prince. He's, he's doing a great job up there. I just, uh, you know, the one thing I I want more people to, I want to start seeing more is people cooking on offsets with wood and getting Mm -hmm. off of the, uh, off of the old hickories and Southern Prides and stuff. I mean, they serve their purpose. They, they do a good job, but I think if we really want to kick our game up to be like world-class top-notch barbecue places, people need to start burning more wood and we need to come together and, figure out a way to get our wood prices down and have really good, high-quality wood always available to us because it's just uh, it's too hard right now for all of us to source good wood and have enough of it. And Everyone's really awesome around here. We're all working on it together. There's also this really, really cool barbecue store in Denver uh, called Proud Souls Barbecue and Provisions. They're a competition, They're old competition dudes, and they sell really awesome smokers, and they're doing a ton to help promote barbecue culture, especially at-home barbecue culture in Denver. It's They're awesome. They do a lot of classes. They do a lot of really cool stuff. If you're ever in Denver, they're just a cool dudes to talk to if you're in their neighborhood.
0: Yeah, man, I'm taking notes. I'm ready to – we try to go back at least once a year with the family and all, so – I'll be back. I'm definitely going to look up some of these, some of these places and, and, uh, grab some more barbecue and and some more gear. Really (laughs) really cool out there. Yeah, man. So you said you had, uh, is it, uh, just one child, a little girl?
1: I have one little girl. She's uh, a little over two and a half. Her name's Lillian and she's the best thing in the world.
0: Awesome. And is your, you said your wife, is she from Texas?
1: So my wife is from California, Georgia, and Texas she oh, okay. growing up. Yeah, she's, uh, man, without her, I don't know what I'd do.
0: Yeah, man, that's, that's <laughs> so great. I'm so happy for you, man. I, I, you know, I had heard a lot of great things about you and uh, I couldn't wait to get out there and, and, uh, man, it was, it was just fantastic. I, I can't wait to get back. You know, one of the one of the last questions that I like to ask before I let anyone off the hook here is, uh, could you tell us something about yourself that most people may not know?
1: Huh, I don't know. Like uh,
0: you're a I, rock star or something like that?
1: <laughs> definitely not a rock star. like <laughs> no, really, That was one of my favorite things uh, that I learned about Aaron Franklin when I worked for him was that he used to be... In a uh, band for a long time with the uh, the guys, the main uh, the lead lead singer and guitarist in the Sword, and uh, wow. he was he was a touring rock rock dude for a long time before he got into barbecue.
0: Oh, wow. and yeah, he's
1: uh, he's a killer musician, man. But uh, shoot, um, what can I tell people that they don't know about me? I was the captain of the snowboarding team in high school and the kayaking team. Whitewater water oh. kayak. I was really into extreme sports as a kid, but I was always too big to really be good at them. <laughs> <laughs> never, never been a super extraordinarily dexterous human being. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, people know I play a lot of D anD. D. Currently, I, I I don't get to play much because I'm. I always end up DMing, which is awesome. Uh, but, <laughs> but this just being a player character, man. It's a lot of fun. Uh, <laughs> it's a lot less stressful too. Uh, how,
0: did you, how did you and your wife meet, or how did you propose to her? Maybe
1: I met my wife at uh, Old Emos in Austin when it was still on Red River. Oh yeah, and uh, I was at a show. A band called Yob. They're um, they're this really awesome old school doom, doom metal band, sonar metal band. Um, and, uh, I was having a cigarette and she was up from San Antonio with her work, all of her work friends to see a Mickey Avalon concert. And, uh, my show is on the inside stage and her show is on the outside stage and they share a communal like smoking and bath. They shared a communal smoking and bathroom area and, uh, I saw her and my buddy was like, yeah, that, oh, that blonde girl in the floral sundress was totally at the metal show and you should go talk to her. And I'd had a few whiskeys and (laughs) I was like, oh yeah, the girl in the floral sundress was totally at the metal show. (laughs) But I, uh. Yeah, I went over and asked her if she had a lighter, and she didn't. And I was like, it's okay, I have one. I just wanted to talk to you, and I uh, <laughs> handed it off real good and went on some dates, and it just kind of, everything kind of snowballed from there there on. We just really, yeah, we moved in together after being together for, like, two months and never really looked back. It's been, when
0: uh, when you know, you know, man.
1: Yeah, dude, when you know, you know. Um, yeah. And, uh
0: Yeah, I I got engaged, uh, six months after we met. So yeah. Yeah. 18 years, uh, this year that we'll be married. So yeah, man, we
1: got engaged six years after we met. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, that wasn't actually, that was actually right before the food truck got shut down. We, uh, took a little vacation right after I turned 30 and, uh, went to San Diego and, uh, We were sitting in La Jolla right on the right on the water and there was a whale going by and she was Uh, basically like, hey, so we don't have to get married if you don't want to. Like, I don't know. We've been together for a long time. and I'm happy with the way things are. And I was like, actually, maybe we should get married. And I pulled the ring that I'd had in my pocket for like three weeks out. (laughs) It's like, this is a good. And, uh, yeah, so we're, uh, yeah it's she's i'm so lucky to have her she's really really amazing
0: that's awesome that that la jolla is so beautiful too i can just imagine the setting there it was i'm sure it it was was, incredible
1: it was beautiful and dude it was it's crazy the last few times we've been in california we've just seen whales from the beach we haven't had to do like we didn't do any whale watching tours or anything we just had good timing
0: Wow. I still haven't seen any, and it's been two and a half years that I've been out here. <laughs> so, man, next time you come in town, look me up. Definitely. Uh, Heck yeah,
1: dude. I'd love know? to do a little barbecue tour with you. I, I really yeah. really want to check out some of the spots out there.
0: Yeah, for sure, bud. For sure. <laughs> well, man, I appreciate you taking the time. I know you got to get back to work. That never ends. But, oh. uh really enjoyed chatting with you you know hope to see you soon but dude that'd be great yeah always hit me up if you're in
1: denver and uh be great to see you i'll try and get out to california at some point man it's been it's been a while heck yeah man definitely look me up will do all right uh, you have a great day man thanks again for uh having me on the show you bet brother take
0: care Thanks for tuning in to the iCrush Barbecue show. Remember, if you like the show, please help us reach more listeners by leaving us a five-star rating on your favorite app. Subscribe to get all past and future shows and share with your friends. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Oh, and now you can actually find us on TikTok. My 11-year-old got me started on that this past week, and uh, it's been pretty fun, so... You can find me on all of the social media at I Crush BBQ Show, Or you can just email me at iCrushBBQShow at gmail.com. Don't forget to tag us with your favorite pics. We'd love to see what you're crushing. Until next time, keep crushing that cube.